I started connecting my mates with random trainers and it was so uncomfortable for me because I was saying to my mates like, no, you gotta pay, like this is a tenner, you know? Like From Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own business. We take a look at how they came to that decision and what those first crucial steps were in getting the business up and running. My name is Kieran Burke, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by founder of Bua Fit, Dave Stapleton. Dave's responsible for all the commercials behind the business, the marketing, the sales, the finance, and the operations. He's had 11 years experience in sales and marketing, six years managing teams. He set up his first venture selling Christmas trees at the age of 19, got the entrepreneurial buzz then. And since launching Bua, he's on a mission to exercise the mind, the body and the soul. You're very welcome, Dave. It's a pleasure to have you today. Cheers, Kieran. Thanks a million. Loving the intro there, huh? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So I suppose we'll be really interesting to kind of just before Bua kicked off, what were you doing and why did you decide I'm going to quit this and go for it myself. Firstly, thanks a million for having us, uh, Kieran. So I was, I studied in Dublin and I always studied business and uh, marketing and I came over to London and I kind of had a final stage interview in marketing and sales and didn't get the job offer in marketing and got the job in sales, financial sales as a junior broker. So I kind of stayed within the industry between foreign exchange sales, deliverable sales. So real money trading and not, not the speculative stuff. Uh, work my work my way up into kind of like leadership roles and then had two years in uh, equities with a fund um, Mm -hmm. and I was managing a sales team then. And from a very young age, I was always like really interested in earning money and kind of putting myself in uncomfortable kind of situations. So yeah, I kind of always had the bug to start something and I knew it from a kid, from, from from being a a child and then kind of went into setting up Bullfit then, you know? And then I suppose, You've, you've thrown yourself into that uncomfortable situation of, of quitting the job, the, the regular nine to five, the income stream. What was like that first couple of weeks, months like in terms of throwing yourself into it? And, and, and like, how did you feel and what were the first things you were doing? Uh, I kind of did it the hard, like, I suppose the harder, well, well there's no easy way, but I mm-hmm. bootstrapped. So I financed Buffett to, I mean, a stage where we had, a product, a customers and revenue. And so I was working on Buafit before I went into work, doing a full day's work, working on it in the evening and working on it in the weekend. So my execution from my like nine to five was a very, like it was a slow burner uh, because that's the, the decision that I made how to build it. And then it just got to a stage where we got feedback from a pre-seed VC and mm-hmm. they were just like, we're not, we love what you're doing, but we're not going to invest into you because you're, you're obviously, <laughs> you're obviously working for someone else. So like that made no sense. And that was the moment. So I left the job, um, November, 2018, November, December, 2018, and just haven't looked back. So yeah, it was scary when I did it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting and it's, it's, it's all part of the process, you know? And then I suppose, you, you've took you've taken the plunge November 2018 uh what were the first things you did like did you did you bring people on board do you take on all the responsibility yourself did you say I'm gonna I'm gonna sort 
getting customers on i'm going to build technology where where did you kind of focus your ideas yeah so it was just more so focusing on actually we were too early to bring someone on because we were just about to launch the product product so it was very much so like actually sorting myself out <laughs> and there is a massive transition in in the mind for you know receiving an income and a paycheck and that to be removed from you is 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 very overwhelming and and builds a huge element of anxiety so i think the first step was actually kind of more so training myself to get into an environment that i've never been in before and planning up for for the launch so my co-founder sam um who's built the product in house myself and himself um so i left the job first and he left uh five months later april um so we we didn't end up launching till june we got some delays so it's pretty much to carry on the day-to-day running of the business which was just marketing content and building and some relationships with potential investors and really gearing up for the launch and then just working with kind of contractors that were helping kind of build the business with us so no full-time hires at that stage i suppose it's a really good point on the contractor side of things how crucial are they to uh, scaling an early stage business and kind of what are the lessons learned in terms of identifying good contractors bad freelancers and, and kind of how to spot it any contractor that wants to be paid for the minute up until their time if you're an early stage startup is not the right contractor for you and that would be the advice i give like we pretty much had to look for contractors that could see our vision um, and could see the bigger picture mm-hmm. and if they didn't they just we tried it once or twice and you just hit this sticking point and it's just like here this just doesn't work so always look kind of like a, a good employee and they're always willing to invest more time uh, based on what they're getting paid and marry that kind of um attitude i suppose um to the contracting yeah. Yeah. kind of market because they a lot of them don't think that way um and rightly so they got to get paid for their time you know so i i completely yeah, see absolutely. it on your side but you got to look after the business don't you absolutely and i suppose you've you've kind of taken uh, the leap of faith to, to start this you've it's november you you're gearing up and you're launching in in june how are you dealing on you mentioned the anxiety side of things how are you dealing with i'm going to launch this business we're, we're going but how do you take the the day-to-day running managing the cash flow understanding that like does that take you do you have to like control your mindset get in the right place to really understand it or is it a constant challenge yeah like i think it's a constant challenge and i think the first acceptance that i had was was actually being okay with messing up like you're you're gonna make a lot of mistakes and that's inevitable it's how you recover from them and how you kind of just pick yourself back up whether it's a big one or a small one so a huge element of of that was just kind of learning quick on your feet and learning as you go and yeah just kind of like not even being too future focused like taking it day by day and week by week um and i'm just a I'm a huge advocate of productivity. I just feel that like the more productive you are, the more opportunities kind of come your way. So another thing that I heavily focused on was like, actually, what am I focused on right now today? You know, and just once you get yourself through those tasks on a daily basis, 
you build a level of, of momentum and confidence and it brings you through to the next day. So even just like not looking too far forward is other a, a good little kind of like, um, I suppose, trick that I learned that's worked for me and might not work for everyone else, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, no, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things I want to ask you is kind of around traction because obviously Boo is a, a marketplace. So it's all about getting people on the platform, out there exercising, getting trainers engaged. And you've had amazing success in a short period of time to get up to over a thousand classes, really activate a, a community the size of London around outdoor and online fitness. But you can't do that straight away. Uh, so what, what were you doing just to get that traction, get people engaged? Like what, what was that like, that, that starting point? I, I was fortunate and lucky enough that from a business perspective, I'm a big advocate of, of marketing and marketing research. And some companies maybe don't pay as much attention to that as they should. But we started building Boofit from a WhatsApp group. So we just started really small. So before I ever built the product, I started connecting my mates with random trainers. And it was so uncomfortable for me because I was like, I was saying to my mates, like, no, no, you gotta pay. Like, this is a tenor, you know, like, and by, by just manually doing a connection of like, think about the logistics of trying to get 11 people to an outdoor class. It was in Highbury Fields. Um, I, I think I remember the date as well, 17th of August, I think it was. Uh, and um, to get 11 people to a class, you needed to talk to 30, 40 people. It took literally about 10 days to organize. But anyway, what we learned by, do, by not cutting a corner and connecting the market manually was trainers had to do this. You know, this is what a trainer had to do in order to generate a group fitness business. So when we made the connection, even though it was a pain in the backside, sending payment details out for 11 people to pay in, chase it, pay the trainer, all that stuff. So that was a huge step that we took. And when we got the feedback on supply and demand, oh, the supply was completely overwhelmed. It was like, this is amazing. And demand was like, yeah, this, this is pretty cool. Um, and that just built us confidence to move on and do more of them. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So learning about how to connect without the technology is probably a good first step while it worked for us and that yeah. was advice that i got from a pre-accelerator yeah. you're talking about some of the the marketing techniques that, um, and how crucial that is to, to engage an audience are there other techniques that have gone well for you or bad for you during during those kind of couple of couple of early early months that you were you were getting going yeah um yeah like i mean like marketing to the consumer is is very challenging and we bootstrapped um up until the product being in the market for six months. So our reach was really low and we didn't have money to um, reach new customers and new audiences. Um, and yeah, like you just have to be okay with failing. There was loads of classes that we went ahead to do and market with very few channels and resources to do. And it doesn't go ahead for not being able to get bookings in and that can knock your confidence a little bit. So yeah, like loads of, loads of stuff didn't work. And I think that's the phase that we're kind of still in, you know, and um, we just raised SEIS um, and closed around in February this year. Um, so we're still experimenting on a load of different marketing techniques. But another thing that we stepped that we took actually care on, which was a, a, a better marketing uh, approach, a more positive one that worked out quite well. So before, after the WhatsApp phase, we did a series of classes on Eventbrite. And what, and what I did was I 
gave it free to the customer, but, yep. but paid the trainer exactly how our terms of service mm -hmm. would operate. Um, and that got them pretty excited because then they were starting to learn about the economies of scale behind the boot, the bill for platform. And we got a load of info from the customers around what they pay on the app, what type of classes they'd like to see. So we, we hit a bit of a qualitative research point and then gave the trainers and then we launched the app. So we didn't cut corners in any way. Um, and I think that worked out in our favor. And if, you know, if anyone's listening, I think it's, it's a good thing to, it's, it's a pain in the, in the backside to take these steps. You just want to build a technology and launch it. Um, but you'll definitely come across hurdles that way, you know. One, one of the things you mentioned there is obviously very clever how you obviously went and used Eventbrite to get the data captured through um, a free class. How important is getting that kind of intelligence from uh, your users? Because I know you, you mentioned the power of messaging within the app is, is huge. So how are you utilizing that kind of information to constantly change and evolve the business? Yeah, like I'll just give you an example. So when I was at every single class um, and I was even doing random stuff like signing up to outdoor local outdoor fitness companies and just like plodding along to classes, going to classes specifically when it's Baltic and freezing cold <laughs> to check to check out the attendance, you know? There was a lot of times I was nearly gonna cancel myself, you know, are these I yeah. mean, um, and it's absolutely key. And I think, I think there's a there's there's a little tip that I learned. It's like when you're raising funds, try and pick up information that only you will hold, and try figure out if investors try to capture that information. And a piece yeah. of information that we got from this marketing stuff was when we went to a class. I went to a class in Finsbury Park, ten o'clock. Uh, in the morning, a Saturday morning, it was the end of November, and yeah. it was so cold, man. It was <laughs> so cold. There was sleet coming in. Guess how many people were at the class? What are you talking like 10? 70. What? 70 people were at the class. And by taking this step, of how did they get 70 people down there? This is what I mean. This is my whole point. People were hammering us around. Our model being seasonal, our model being like, um, like yeah, it, it like weather will be a massive problem, and this is a long way of answering your question. Taking yeah. these marketing steps is that's information that I held, uh, based on, you know, actually getting up off my backside and going to check it out, um, yeah. and that gave me the confidence, like right, I'm seriously onto something here because yeah. the market in winter. The problem actually was never the weather. The problem was actually more the lighting um, yeah. and the clothes that the consumer would choose to wear. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so really, really valuable information when you kind of take these yeah. strategic marketing approaches to market and what you pick up and how you can bring that forward. Because then I was like, oh my God, in winter we can do, we can make, we could do some big classes, you know? <laughs> you could make some money. Yeah, yeah, make some data. <laughs> <laughs> you touched on doing your SEIS right there. Um, it's very hard for any startup business to ever close equity-based funding. Um, so many businesses, you're talking like one in a thousand is going to be able to, to close on it. So you, you managed to do it. You chose to go down the crowdfunding path. 
how was it as an experience? What did you get out of it? Um, and what were the kind of some of the insights you got from going through that process? It was incredibly <laughs> hard. Oh my God. I thought, I thought selling on deliverable trading floors was hard. This is a different ball game. And we, we actually made it, we made, we, we actually made it twice as hard because we raised, um, the majority of our cash private. Yeah. And then use Cedar's uh, platform as a top up and a bit of a kind of a, a marketing spin. And um, yeah. so, yeah, it was incredibly challenging. I mean, before I got my first yes, I got 82 no's. Oy. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so it's really tough. So a huge element, you've got to be super resilient. You've got to really believe and you've got to be picking up bits from the market to build that confidence. Like I just shared with you around the outdoor class. Um, mm in um in in the winter time so yeah like it was just really challenging it was hard and it just makes you i, I think going into the next round i've got just a lot of learnings of mm. what to do what not to do and and with that experience of using the crowd to invest how much effort is required in terms of putting investment in content beforehand how do you manage like the anxiety levels when you go live like what was that experience like it was honestly like as if everyone knows everything about you it's like walking out into the street with no clothes like on make, like make an attraction for yeah 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 exactly and the, the the challenge that we had was we were going into our funding round still bootstrapping yeah so the content that we had to create and the marketing and how we had to market the the crowdfunding platform was was all organic you know we'd know real cash to to do it so you got to be a little bit creative you got to have a decent bit of engagement ideally with some customers to kind of get behind you um and then like a good lead investor that you can kind of maybe leverage off we were fortunate enough that we got a great lead investor on the business side who built a marketplace that trades on the london stock exchange and we got a professional athlete um mm -hmm. That if you did a bit of digging, um, you know, a lot of information comes up about them. So I felt like that helped. Really helped. Yeah, but the, we we struggled on the marketing side of things because of we had very little reach. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And and I suppose yeah, you close around the money. The money comes in. What were your, what were your decisions around? Okay, I've got this money. What am I doing? Who am I bringing in? How do you decide how how you're going to start placing those bets, so to speak? yeah great question i mean so the first thing that we did before we started spending the money was actually building processes so we still operated like quite leanly when we closed around um closed around in february and i think the decision sam and i made was this is all on us like we are not using any of this cash to bring in you know someone that is on a hundred grand a year and is coming to a startup for 30 grand a year and we give them a load of equity, me and Sam were like, we're gonna figure all of this out. And, yep. by, and by making that decision, it just, it was really hard. And it just helped us, I think, just give a bit more of a longer run race um, with, with, with the funding. And thankfully enough, we were very focused on, on not using the money just to, to get users as in like paying to get users using, mm -hmm. using the money to figure out how to get users, but like much more organically. 
Um, mm-hmm. So building processes, taking full accountability that this is on me, this is on me, the leader behind the business, and we're going to yeah. f- figure this out. And then I think as well, like we made a decision to grow by finding genuine people that are interested in purchasing a class, which sounds ridiculous and trainers that are interested in building their business on our platform. We were like, we don't want any vanity data. We could have easily gone and got like 10,000 users over the course of a period of time and spend a huge chunk of the budget. But Mm -hmm. we were, we were just more so focused on figuring out how to get them purchasing and buying while, Mm -hmm. while we're growing. Yeah. So, so that's our strongest point of BooFit. We'd have a, a relatively low user base, but we're generating way more revenue than the amount of users we have. And talk to me about this, right? You've closed around February. Uh, you're all fired up. We're online. We're sorry. We're group classes outdoors. We're good to go. Boom! COVID hits. Yeah. What, what, how? What? Talk me through. What, 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 were you, what was you thinking? Like, what happened? Am I allowed curse? I'm joking. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we bootstrapped for we bootstrapped for six months. Well, bootstrapped for for near, nearly three years. We bootstrapped for six months of trade. We have money in our bank account from investors, and we were very grateful of that. Three months of it, we were operating leanly, building processes, planning everything, and then boom, just yeah, hit with COVID. And I'm like, you have to be kidding me like yeah oh my god so it was a really really dark moment uh because our whole outdoor model was closed and i turned around to sam i was like what are we gonna do man like there's no way in hell i can turn around to 150 investors and say like we're closed so we asked ourselves a question how can we add value right now forgetting about our plans how can we add value right now and we looked at everyone throwing out like free classes on live instagram stories public groups on facebook chucking around zoom links and we're like why is everyone doing this and then we just it was kind of like a short-term light bulb kind of moment we were like oh my god we've got the e-com built they don't have e-com that's their only channels to engage with their customers and we just then built a few little tweaks to the e-com and then started connecting people online instead of outdoor and we had revenue come back in within 32 hours and then and and it was honest to god that decision to like we got to do something right now was probably one of our most important questions we asked ourselves as founders through the whole journey yeah and and by that's like not sitting around and moaning and feeling sorry for ourselves that was just just go for it and we got so much hassle like loads of investors were like what are you doing like stay stay focused on yeah Yeah. and plan plan your execution but i was like what are you mad i was like this thing could last for months and here we are in lockdown two on the 20th of november so if if we didn't make that decision honest to god it could be like it could have been a car crash like yeah it would have been really bad and we lost momentum and lost yeah you get the point you know so yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely it's crucial the way you, you, you dealt with it um yeah like now now you're in a position where it's it's not just outdoor fitness it's outdoor and online group fitness um so where are you now looking you're all set up to do your next raise what's what what are you now looking to do with with boo what are what are the next steps in in the business yeah so we've just invested heavily on the online model so we're we did our first 
online fitness class with our own BUA stream technology yesterday. We were removing um, all third-party links from the platform, so that's super exciting. And the plan is um, now with the next funding round to get a lot more money in <laughs> yeah. and get uh, the right people behind the business now. Uh, myself and Sam have figured quite a lot out. We've just... Uh, we've just went over uh, 3,000 bookings. Our, our North Star KPI is classes serviced. We've just hit over 1,300 of them. And the breakdown is 65% outdoor, 35% online. So it just goes to show that if we didn't Incredible. make the decision to yeah. go online, we had lost all of that data. Um, and now we just have a massive marketing challenge in the next phase because we need to make a decision like we're very outdoor focused make a decision are we just kind of like having online as a feature and we still very focused on like marketing boo as the platform for outdoor fitness or are we going to tweak how we're kind of position ourselves as a market is kind of like marking them kind of side by side each other um, so the answer is yeah, just get a lot more money, get some get some uh, people with a lot of experience behind what we're doing, and bring it all to the next level. Yeah, and so okay, we're here now. You've done over three thousand bookings, thirteen hundred classes, bespoke live streaming service, online outdoor offering. Uh, so many ups and downs over the last couple of years. Is there any moment that sticks out and you're just like, fuck, that was amazing? God, yeah, there'd be a few of them. Um, oh, it's gotta be when we launch. We launched from Google. Uh, we launched from Google uh, Campus on the eleventh of June, and on the seventeenth of June, we had eight clients book into a class in Tooting Common, and I swear to God. When you build something that didn't exist in the market and you put that much effort into like getting something our MVP to market and you actually start generating bookings and revenue, it was just the best feeling ever. And I think that's probably close, maybe the anxiety of going into raising your first funding round was just not fun. It just wasn't that mm -hmm. fun. And I think when we closed it, I remember the time when we uh, just um, closed, or sorry, when we hit a 100% target, that would probably be the second moment. We're like, brilliant. People smarter, um, smart people kind of can, can see our vision and they've obviously given us money. So yeah, that was probably another great moment as well, you know? Amazing. Um, well, I, I just want to say an absolute massive thanks, Dave, for coming along to take the plunge. It's been a pleasure listening to the Bua story so far. I can't wait to see where Bua goes next. I think if anyone's listening, it's been so insightful how you've been so honest and upfront about all the different challenges. Um, and you definitely deserve the success that's coming your way. And if anyone is interested in online classes, they definitely should check Bua out. Some amazing classes on there. Um, but huge thanks, Dave. Absolute pleasure to have you. Great stuff. Thanks, Kieran. Really enjoyed the chat. And uh, yeah, hopefully it wasn't too boring for you guys, huh? <laughs> no, not at all. It's perfect. Thanks a lot, man. It's so good.